This is episode 30 of the Get In My Garden podcast, and I'm Aaron Moskowitz. Today's guest is Dylan Martin, vice president of the New Mexico Mycological Society. He's back to discuss recent results of research into how bees are using fungi to increase their immunity, ways we may soon be able to help our local bee populations with fungi, and what this means for us humans. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave positive reviews on iTunes and other podcasting apps and share the episodes on social media within relevant groups. Good morning. Happy New Year. Morning. Happy New Year. Welcome back. A lot has been going on. The world is a new world. (laughs) Yeah. New Year. (laughs) New world. But yeah, I saw this great article. I think it was in the New York Times with Paul Stamets. We've all seen what he's doing with, didn't he patent something for the bees? Or was that something else that he patented? Um, I know in the past I've listened to lectures that he's patented mycopesticides for carpenter ants. But yeah, the New York Times released an article um, at the end of the year in 2018 that reached a huge audience because it's the New York Times. And it was basically all about feeding bees mycelial extracts and helping their immunity so that was awesome to read and it was kind of just an overview of it um there's scientific reports that you can look at but that was a good article i thought when was it, so that came out last year i think so or and maybe this year well this year just started or, well yeah no so, so yeah it was, it was like in december oh okay that article that's the yeah, yeah the that's study the one that was i done, i think in april of last year okay cool yeah it's amazing so i mean he's famous but I think he's going to be like in the history books for f- being famous because if we are faced with the same troubles that some ecologists say with the bees, he's the one who seems to be able to find a solution for it, right? Yeah, it was really exciting. Actually, a whole lot of people have reached out to me since that article was put out just kind of, oh, did you see the article about the bees? Or, oh, I heard about this article with the bees because, you know, people know I'm into mycology. And so, yeah, Paul Stamets is really helping a lot of people and a lot of things um and bees being super important i'm excited to see where that goes especially near the end of that article talking about developing kind of a bee feeder that you you know kind of the bee version of a hummingbird feeder but you would use the mycelial extracts instead of just sugar water and that would be really cool if they did that because then everybody could help the bees from their own backyard and then that's awesome yeah that'd be cool and then hopefully attract them and see them too right and maybe enjoy looking at them yeah because sometimes not kill them exactly so what exactly have you studied that at all like what exactly is in that extract that he's giving them so the article goes into a little bit of it basically what happens is that he takes these two strains of mushrooms the red reishi and the fomes fomaterius which is the birch polypore i believe is the same is actually the same mushroom that the the whenever they found the ice man or whatever the neanderthal oh yeah uh, in case an ice that human had this mushroom on him those two strains um inoculated on some birch sawdust and then made into extracts were given to both field study bees so bees that are outdoor in hives and then bees in the lab that are in um, like little um, boxes or whatever and so they're given those in dose solutions and basically they were just looking to see if what they observed in nature which bees go to mycelia in nature that's kind of where this all started was Paul Stamets observed 
his own honeybees going to his outdoor mushroom patches and collecting the exudates off of the mycelia which is just like sugar sweat off the mycelia and he also noticed it out in conifer forests where bears would scratch trees and uh, mycelia would show up or a, a fungal infection would show up and bees would show up right when the mycelia was starting to grow before the red you know before a red polypore showed up or something so it was something that they observed in nature and then wanted to take it into the lab and see if the bees were self-medicating which they obviously were and because i think in the article it said it was like a forty-five thousand fold reduction in deformed wing virus and i'm um, like a 79 fold reduction in lake sinai virus which are two really big viruses that bees have to deal with kind of from the varroa mite which is also a huge detriment to bees and uh-huh. so the varroa mite kind of spreads all these really bad viruses for the bees and interesting um, that is kind of helping the phenomena of colony collapse disorder i think so it's basically just live mycelial extracts in their sugar water that's a it's so cool yeah i mean i've heard a lot about the varroa mite and all the damage that it's causing i didn't know exactly that it was spreading the viruses i think it spreads some of the viruses i don't think it's all of them but it it, it attributes to injecting viruses dude the strains of mushroom that you mentioned that are growing on the trees or whatnot that he was recognizing are those poisonous to humans or are they edible no, those to humans? are also considered medicinal for humans actually i think it's the tinder tinder conch not the birch polypore i think those are different but very similar both of those have antiviral properties for humans and i wonder if those are in his doesn't he have like a host defense product yeah i don't know about the tinder conch but i know that the red reishi is in a lot of his products and the red reishi has been used in Chinese medicine for thousands of years, so that's been around. And There's one guy who's been using it for thousands of years, and he's still alive. <laughs> Just kidding. I know, I heard about that. <laughs> but there are, you know, in Chinese medicine, they say, like, people live to be 250 years old. I wonder if they weren't that good at counting. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> Maybe they had a knack for... Or the years were, like, dog years, so they had, like, yeah. seven to one or whatever. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting looking at the scientific scientific report of it. If you like dig deeper on the web, there was this whole thing of like, well, is it the the mushrooms and the mycelia that's giving them all these immune boosting properties, or is it the the birch sawdust? Is there stuff in the in the sawdust that's giving them medicinal properties? And so that was cool to look at. And you know, most trees, especially birch trees, have some sort of endophytic or saprophytic fungi relationship already and so there's different types of fungi in the tree itself yeah so yeah they so they did you know different different studies with just an uninoculated birch sawdust and then stuff that was inoculated and both of them had medicinal properties so that was cool because it's not just the mushroom it's the tree itself and other types of fungus and or fungi and so yeah that's amazing so the relationship of bees and fungi is just very close way more than we ever knew yeah, it's pretty funny when one of the lectures he talks about, he's just like, Winnie Pooh has been talking, Winnie the Pooh has been talking about this forever, and, you know, <laughs> we don't even know the way of the bee, and uh, it's a very simple thing that happens in nature, and not everybody pays attention to it, so. Well, it's only the last 50 years, really, as far as I can tell, that we really started to understand the way that fungi works within the roots, and, you know, yeah. with all of the mycorrhizal <clears throat> fungi, and... You know the terminology better than I do, but... I'm glad that that fungal knowledge is coming to the forefront with the the bee knowledge, and those are, like, intersecting because, yeah, the bees need help. Yeah, so that was a really good good 
article to come out because that reaches a huge audience and and it, it's just really interesting that fungus has this effect on bees and and i mean the varroa mite which is a huge problem is becoming resistant to all these synthetic pesticides just like a lot of the insects we try to control with synthetic pesticides so to to find the solution with with fungi is huge i would say absolutely so we're saving the bees with fungi Maybe we'll be saving ourselves, too, yeah. because he is, I guess, Andrew Weil. He's always talked about the turkey tail. You talked about that last time. That's a good, um, that's a really researched mushroom. Do you know, can you list some mushrooms that people could take in supplements? Like, there are only a handful or so, right, that are available mm-hmm. that have been researched? I mean, the turkey tail mushroom is probably the most researched for anti-cancer properties, and so it's really high in linoleic acids, and that is available usually at, like, your local co-op or something like that. Um, our, our wellness store. Fungi Perfecta is Paul Stamets's company and he's got a lot of good products. Honestly, because I am fairly healthy, I haven't felt immediate effects from medicinal mushroom products, but I know people that have. So I think it kind of depends on the person and depends on your condition as well. Um, and there's been a lot of success stories with that. But hey, well, you want to talk about bee immunity, which I looked a little, I mean, I'm not a bee expert or anything, but I was in, I'm, I'm just interested in bees and I want to have honeybees at some point and I mean I think a big reason or a big thing that people don't realize that that I think was mentioned in that article was that bees pollinate like 75% of our food and so yes. kind of need them yeah and we're, <laughs> we're on an unsustainable path with yeah. agriculture <clears throat> so I think that the people in charge if there are actually very powerful people who affect policy they know that we're on a very unsustainable path Mm -hmm. so maybe they're plotting some other sort of recovery where their own products are going to save the day or something Mm -hmm. you know but i think it's very treacherous Mm -hmm. so do you think that the bees being involved with fungi that affects some of the antiviral properties of honey that people talk about yeah so i was looking into that the nutrition is innately connected. The nutrition of the bee, the bees is innately connected to their immunity. Hence the the pollen and the and the nectar that they collect that's made into the honey and the the propolis is you know that is, that is their immunity basically. <clears throat> and so if we're spraying pesticides on our gardens or things like that, then that's affecting the honey of if you have managed beehives on your property, that's all getting into the honey. The fact that they're starting to put fungus with antiviral properties in the sugar solutions i would say that it would translate over to the honey and the honey would be a medicinal at that point but i don't know at what capacity if it's how strong it is or anything or if it is even available to us at that point if the bees just take it all yeah you i know, wonder or if it's even translated into their honey at all but i would assume so i wonder if that would be i would assume so too and maybe that knowing that we'll be able to strengthen the honey so yeah. that we can get those properties from the honey instead of I mean, bees are already giving us medicinal. I mean, honey is medicinal on its own. And yes. so, and they obviously, I mean, this article kind of speaks to the respect that they're already, they're already interacting with fungi out in nature. I would assume that that already has something to do with the properties in honey as is. Uh, yeah. What else are you interested in this this new month? Oh yeah, I don't know. Just, just really anything caught look- your attention? I don't know. Just really been looking at the bee stuff because it's a huge deal, and I want to keep bees, and I want to know more about it, and I want to know what is it about these varroa mites that's so destructive to the bees, and what defenses do the bees have without fungi, which they have a lot of different. You know, they have a bunch of different defenses, just like we do, like an immune system, and like their exo- exoskeleton helps 
pathogens and they have this like paratrophic lining in their digestive system that helps and then just like their their cell their cells can detect pathogens in their body just like us and so it's just uh they're amazing yeah they're amazing i just like yeah i'm just amazed and i just want to know more and i want to be involved in more field studies with bees because i was talking to a friend not too long ago and they were just talking about how the the genetics of bees are just weakening over time is that right and so i hope that this can maybe reverse that if bees are supplemented with lab-grown mycelia then maybe the genetics will strengthen over time that would be really nice my friends are keeping russian bees and they said mm-hmm. that this particular strain that they have they are very aggressive with oh, yeah, i heard those are intense yeah i don't really russians. know how that works <laughs> Like, I asked them if they were on Facebook, those Russian bees. Yeah. <laughs> but they apparently they crushed the veromites really quickly. Interesting. And dropped them to the bottom of the mm-hmm. hive. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to source your bees. And it's crazy because honeybees aren't even, they're not native to the U.S. There's that whole other, I mean, there, what, there's like 4,000 species of bees, so. None, no honeybees? No honeybees are native to So what would that mean? America. I mean, so like native pollinators are something that we should consider. Uh, consider they are innately con- affected by our managed honeybee populations because they all visit the same flowers and so depending on what you're giving your honeybees and what they have on them when they go visit flowers that's affecting other pollinators that show up native bee population is huge for like little microbiomes and just local flora especially the southwest actually and utah included there are so many like super specialized native bees that we don't even know about yet you know and like that's really scary to think that we're gonna potentially destroy organisms that we don't even know about yet that's amazing so that's too bad horrible but i hope that we can turn that around and if we are reducing bug populations in general from what I heard from Suzanne Wainwright, who's considered the expert on bugs, she said that flies are huge pollinators, and yeah. like praying mantises, oh, wow. they they don't pollinate, but they eat all the pollinators, like all the flies. So people put them in their gardens as a beneficial insect, right? But that eats all the pollinators. <laughs> so bees pollinate our food, but they uh, a lot of other insects pollinate everything else. So right. the whole thing could collapse if we don't curb our right. Pesticide. It's all interconnected, which I think. I mentioned in the first podcast that I was on was that fungi kind of reminds us that everything is interconnected, you know? I mean, that is the model. That is the archetype of mycelia. Everything's connected. Yeah, I guess I don't even... Yeah, you, a lot of people don't even think about flies or things that aren't as attractive as bees. <laughs> well, can you remind people the <clears throat> motto or the philosophy of the radical mycologist and the interconnectedness of all that? Mm. Because isn't that part of that philosophy, too? How we act like fungi, at least culturally or intellectually? Mm, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. I just, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, basically the, the first chapter of that, the, the foreword or whatever of that book delves into the dreams of kind of Peter McCoy and the, um, the archetype of mycelia infecting human population if that's a good way to put it (laughs) or at least assisting us in working with each other in more symbiotic relationships and i guess the mycelial archetype comes from lectures of paul stamets and he he has the whole mycology of consciousness talk and how we all are all are interconnected and the you see the mycelial archetype all over the place like in tree roots and tree branches and our neurons and dark matter and it's all the same thing it's it's the most clear version of 
fractal of what we have everywhere else. Or yeah, something. and I think that we're seeing that model show up in business models and nonprofit organizations and permaculture designs and like all of that. The network archetype is huge. I mean, the internet, yeah, I mean, I think there was a, some sort of image of what the internet looks like, and that's also mycelial looking. Humans have interacted with fungi for thousands of years and we should continue to do so we're stepping it up right now obviously the research is it's interesting but also there's so many people who are concerned about it like even if it were just a capitalist uh, response there's going to be products out there that people are going to buy you know if that's the simplest way that they could be helping the bees you Mm -hmm. know yeah, I mean, yeah, that was something too, is like, how can people help the bees if they can't grow their own mycelia or get a hold of extracts? And I don't recommend, because I, I was thinking like, how would I do that on my own? I wouldn't recommend like going and buying mycelial extracts and feeding it to your bees, because I mean, if you've ever tasted an extract, it's pretty alcoholy. And I don't know if that would be good. And I don't know if just producing your own liquid culture and like feeding it to bees like that would work. If it has to go through the cultivation process of like brown rice to birch sawdust to extract to the bee you know and because i was wondering about that too is like what if you just are what if you just have liquid culture which is basically sugar water and fresh mycelial tissue and you feed that to the bees what would that do you know is that going to be more active is that going to hurt them so that would be interesting too but i think yeah the best way to help bees is to get a hold of your beekeeping association like new mexico has a beekeeping association and there's i think they have their annual conference in february of this year and so They're going to be talking about a whole range of things, especially pesticides. And then also look into, like, your native flowers and how you can plant more of them in your garden and consider what are bees visiting in the wild anyways. And so pollinator gardens are fun as far as, like, pollinating flowers down here, like the Apache plume flower, different gallardias, penistemon. um, Definitely. Catnip. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them that bees will visit. And it's good to, like do a wide array of flowers because not every bee can visit every flower like some of the flowers are tubular and like only bumblebees could get in there you know some of them have mm-hmm. longer uh, proboscis or proboscis or lo- longer feeding parts i guess well that's flowers awesome i didn't good. know you were so interested in bees too flowers and need the bees and bees need the flowers so cool well my friend carol at the white duck farm who i had on the podcast earlier last year she is I believe involved directly with that beekeeping association yeah. and she's involved in some sort of thing next year. I, Could be the annual conference. It's the, February. Yeah, I'm going to find out and ha- have her talk. It seems like a pretty big deal. I think it's, you know, it's like $30 to become a member. I don't know how much the f- conference is, but I was sort of looking into it and there's like a lot of speakers, most that I've never heard of, but I'm sure they're big for people that know about them. Well, I'll invite you out there next time I go if you're available. That would be cool, yeah. And then you I can think meet uh, her. the more people collaborate, the better. Yeah, she had some great ideas. I know New Mexico State University has a lot of people that are interested in native pollinators. I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, yeah, you mentioned biopesticides. Oh, yeah. Bio so like insecticides. It's because it's, yeah, it's like the other side of it. You've right. got the fungi for humans that are so beneficial and those that will kill us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so I was kind of looking at that, too. I mean, p- people that are gardeners know about bioinsecticides and know that we already use different types of fungi to control pests, like Bt, Psyllis thuringiensis. So there's, you know, there's different types of biopesticides. There's, like, pesticides that are specific to microorganisms, plant-derived pesticides, um, where they plants will already produce 
right. uh, pesticides and they take that out, but you know, kind of synthesize it or, or uh, genetic, you know. Yes, I guess it would be synthesize the plant compound and use it in mass. Biopesticides, if you ever, like, if you create one or if you have one, I mean, they have to all be registered with the EPA. It's, it's just a huge field of chemicals and things that are already happening in nature, but we just, like, extract yeah. them and use them in mass. And so I think that field is growing huge, and it's going to be, you know, it's, it's already, in the, I'm sure, in the millions of dollars, and so that industry is only going to grow. It's interesting because on one hand you have people who just want everything to be symbiotic and natural, you yeah. know, yet no, we always no seem to additives. go to, yeah, but then with our biopesticides or bio whatever, there's always this kind of very hands-on, we're controlling how everything goes. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we always have a hand, and yeah, we're just not a fan of pests. I think is the deal. That's There's right. A lot of, I mean, but pests we're also are like big a, fans of doing, taking control of things, right. thinking we know what we can do. Yeah. If anybody's ever read Silent Spring, that's a very serious book about pesticides and the detriment that it's had on huge populations of humans and birds and everything. So, I mean, I hope that just hope that we're careful as we move forward, even with things that are helping bees like mycelial extracts yeah because you just never know what's going to happen and when things are going to change or how things are going to react or things like that and it's also like tolerance level how much can you actually tolerate without freaking out and buying a product and killing everything right Right. a lot of the biggest problems in society and throughout history were people doing what they thought was the right thing and the blowback from that caused huge consequences yeah so the biopesticides, like there are certain things they are finding they can, well, at least with a negative insect invader or something, and mm-hmm. they can just put the boars out there and then the, it'll kill them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the research that Paul Stamets has done also, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, definitely with the the pathogenic, the entomopathogenic fungi like cordyceps, that is going to take off, I think, because it's it's a fungus in nature that already infects insects and takes over their bodies and kills them and then spreads their spores. It kind of uses them as a vehicle to spread their spores. So Pretty amazing to look at the photos of that. Yeah, it is. The ants with the uh, with the fruit body right out of their head. Um, and I think that's... It was a strain of cordyceps is what Paul Stamets was using to help his carpenter ant infestation. And so, yeah, I kind of hope that that takes off more. But then, like, are, are other insects going to be affected that you want around? I don't know. That's right. Good question. Thank you. Thank Is you. there anything else you want to talk about? If you're even mildly interested in fungi or bees, hit up your local association, state association. Because like, it's, like, totally on their radar right now. They're Yeah, they're everybody's really freaking out about it. And so the Beekeeping Association of New Mexico and the New Mexico Mycological Society, reach out to both of those, um, which I just became the vice president of the Mycological Society the other day. So thank you. I'm excited about that. And so I'm excited to get more involved because we have monthly meetings and hopefully have people that know about bees come to the mycological meetings and talk about things. And so, Perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. All right. Well, thanks, Dylan. Great to see you again. Yeah, thank you. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave positive reviews on iTunes or other podcasting apps and share the episodes on social media within relevant groups.